Okay, today I'm joined by Devin Clark. He's fighting Ian Kutulaba on September 18th for the UFC. Devin, how you doing, man? Doing great. Just uh, just got done training, and now I'm relaxing a little bit. So this fight was originally booked for May, but you had to pull out through COVID. Um, just firstly, how are you feeling now? I'm feeling great now. I'm actually, I was actually able to get, uh, took about two weeks, two weeks of downtime with the whole COVID thing, and I was kind of able to get back to work right away. So just been been training, staying in shape and uh, getting ready for whatever was next. And then we end up getting the fight in September. So it was a good deal. So it sounds like you got a bit lucky because obviously we've seen some fighters who have had some really long-term effects from COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you hear of fighters having lung issues and uh, not being able to get back with their cardio and stuff like that. Uh, but so far, I'm, I'm good. Hopefully all the tests and stuff that, uh, that I'll yeah. have to take, they work out and everything's normal. But cardio seems good. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, in, in pretty good shape, almost fight shape. So uh, going pretty good so far. So how has this extra time and then seeing Kitalaba fight Dustin Jacoby in the meantime, has that changed the way you look at this fight at all? Um, it's kind of what we expected. Um, there's some stuff that he did in that fight that kind of will work. If, if he would have done that against me, it would have worked in my favor <laughs> quite a bit, especially trying to wrestle me and, and yeah. stuff like that. So hopefully he stays with that same game plan. I, <laughs> I doubt he will after seeing how it worked out for him. Uh, but, but yeah, nothing, nothing too surprising. So what are your thoughts on him in general as an opponent then? What's that? What are your thoughts on Ian Kutalaba in general as an opponent? I like his personality and how he handles himself before fights. Usually, he never really keeps the same energy during his fights, but he's pretty uh, gets amped up and does unprofessional stuff when it leads. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say unprofessional because it's fighting. So you know. How can you get too unprofessional when you're just fighting? Um, but I just don't like some of his pre-fight antics. And um, and at the same time, I'm also going to embrace that. And I can kind of play along with that too. So if I I think it'll work out good if I just naturally don't like the guy, which has never happened with any of my opponents. All my opponents have been really respectful and, and everything like that before the fight. So it's really hard to have that kind of, you know, have any anger towards them at all. But I think it'll be a little bit different with Ian. Yeah, so you're quite a calm guy. How do you plan on dealing with that like chaotic side he brings? Uh, I can be chaotic too. My <laughs> my life's been a little chaotic, and if you've uh, I don't know if you've seen my dad at all uh, yeah. or heard my dad yeah. during my fights. He, uh, I have that same energy. I just I have to hide it, <laughs> you know. So uh, that same guy can come out at at any time, uh, and. Kudalaba might be the guy that brings it out in me. So we'll see. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned your dad there. So that's a good segue. Um, having him in your corner, does that put more pressure on you? Or how do you just kind of find that dynamic? Uh, it's it's not more pressure. It's uh, That's been the that dynamic. I've had. He's always, he's always there with me, whatever sport I've been playing or whatever I'm doing, wrestling, football, baseball, he's always yelling, same, same volume. Uh, so I'm just kind of used to that, that voice 
Uh, and sometimes, you know, and you'll see in some of my fights, I'll, I'll kind of yell at him like, dad, stop, stop, like calm down. I got it. Like, but it, it's a little bit back and forth, but, I, uh, it's, it's for the good. It, it's good for me. Um, and he, he knows how to push my buttons and keep me, keep me grounded and keep me focused at times. So. We've seen during the pandemic that a lot of fights have been made at shorter notice. So you've seen a lot of fights being made sort of a month before. You've got mm-hmm. pretty much a full camp for this fight. Does that feel a bit refreshing? Yeah, like when I got news, it was almost like three months. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes uh, it's not the case where I'm already in shape when I get a fight. Uh, but this time I'm like, damn, I'm starting like almost in fight shape. I've had time off, like I'm totally, um, I didn't get injured or anything like that. So I've been healthy and able to train. And usually I'm coming off an injury or something from a previous fight, broken face or broken foot, hand, something like that, which we train through, but it's still a different, uh, it's a different kind of training. Um, So being totally healthy and already in shape, you know, taking a fight, you know, three months out, it's just, it adds to the the preparation and and you know giving me a little a little bit of a one up there. So you obviously mentioned there you're in fight shape now. Um, we've got a little under three months until the fight now. So how do you kind of maintain that shape without overtraining? Uh, well, see, I'm I live in South Dakota and I do my fight camp in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So and I usually go down there about six weeks before my fight. And that's when we kind of really amp up the training. So I'm, you know, I'm at a, a high level of training right now. So I'm training, you know, two, three times a day right now. Um, and down there, I should be able to train about four or five. And they're not, and those aren't, when I say four or five, that's like not all crazy sessions. It could be lighter sessions, but it's just, I'm training all day down there. My life, when I'm down there, I'm away from my family. So everything is training. Uh, so we really get dialed in and really focused. Uh, so, but leading up to that, I just, I do my last strength and conditioning right now. Then I'll do my jujitsu and a little bit of striking and stuff like that. So, um, not a whole lot of crazy live, live goes and a lot of, not a lot of crazy sparring or anything like that right now. Um, so by the, by the time the fight comes, it will have been about 10 months since the Anthony Smith fight. Um, obviously you had the COVID situation in this time, but what improvements do you feel you've made in this layoff? Uh, from the Anthony Smith fight, just a lot more mental clarity. Uh, me and my family were going through a lot at that time. Uh, we lost my mother-in-law like a week before and it was just, uh, yeah. And as a fighter, you think you can handle anything, you can push through anything, but, um, that was definitely heavy on my mind and it, it kind of showed, uh, I just wasn't, wasn't too focused, but, um, since then, you know, we've had a little time and like I said, uh, mental clarity a lot of mental clarity now and being able to focus just on 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 fighting and, and winning this fight and being in shape and just staying on task obviously we saw how that fight went but what positives were you able to take from that being in the main event spotlight as well that whole experience of going in main event and uh, having to deal with the last minute changes of yeah. being main event and also okay, now you're going to 25, you know, five rounds, you can fight five rounds and just the men- mental acceptance of, of all that in a day's notice and then everything else that I had going along, going on. So I'm, I'm proud of myself for actually 
making it to the fight and stepping in there with an attitude of, I'm, I'm going to kill this guy. Uh, I didn't really do, I wasn't technically focused, but I was, I was ready to fight. And, and that's the main thing for me is, is getting up for the fight. A lot of people would have went home. I didn't, I stayed, I fought and, uh, you know, didn't get the outcome I wanted, but we, we did get in there and, and against a, a worthy opponent, um, in, in the spotlight too. So, um, a lot of good that came out of it. Did you feel you were ready for that step up at the time? Though? Because obviously he was ranked six and you weren't ranked at the time. That's quite a big step up. You don't see that a lot. Uh, I, I definitely feel like I was ready for it. Uh, the timing was a little off, yeah. but uh, definitely if we run that fight back, it's a totally different fight, guaranteed. Uh, I know he's beatable. I know I can beat him. Um, and as long as well as anybody else in, in the division, I've had close fights with a lot of the top 15 guys, uh, yeah. top three, top four, um, the champion even. So, um, I definitely know I can do that. I just have to come focused and, and stick to a game plan. So Anthony Smith's definitely a fight you're looking to get back at some point, right? Yeah, that'd be great to get, uh, get that fight back. Uh, I, I've talked to Anthony a little bit. Uh, we've actually talked about doing some training and stuff like that, but so it's like, it's kind of just one of those almost a gentleman's fight, but it's, you know, it's a, it's, it, it's a fun fight. Yeah. Um, especially if it goes three, all three rounds or five rounds, it's, that's a fun fight. Um, now I know, no, not to go on the ground with them right away in the first couple minutes, but uh, you know, it's uh, something that can be planned for and, and adjusted. So. Looking forward a second. You've also talked about, obviously, the champion, Bohovich, and you talked about wanting to fight um, Rakic again as well. Um, but apart from these two, who else do you have on your mind as potential future opponents? Uh, you know, anybody that's that's going to be in my way of getting to the title, um, it's fighting for the title is still, still my main goal, and that's what we want to get back to. We've had some ups and downs, and unexpectedly, you know, I thought I was going to come in the UFC and I was undefeated when I got in the UFC and I lost my first fight. I'm like, okay, that's the one loss. And then now I've lost uh, what five now. So um, definitely not the way I wanted things to go, but you, you see it, you see it quite a bit guys bounce back. And I believe I'm one of those guys that can easily bounce back, just get the right focus. And I'm starting to enter my, my prime. I'm 31 now. So I'm in that realm of, of uh, getting in my prime, just not quite there. Even um, I think about 34, I'll be, you know, one of the, the top guys uh, in the sport, uh, let alone the division. Uh, but those guys that beat me early on, you know, before they were even top 15, after they beat me, they just kind of kept bumping up, uh, especially especially Jan and Rakic. So definitely want to get those back. Were you expecting Jan to kind of go on that run after your fight? Because obviously he's a bit of an older guy. A lot of people didn't really see that coming. Didn't, no, I didn't. I didn't see it. See it coming, um, and I didn't see him beat me. It was one of those fights I walked in to, like, okay, I, I got this. Like, I got this guy's number. I'm I'm better athlete. I can move better. Uh, and he just showed his resilience, and you know, he's he's one of the best underdogs in the sport right now. Yeah. Uh, for him to do what he did, and he was doubted every time. <laughs> every time, it's like, there's no way. There's no way. Oh, there he goes. Yeah. So uh, a lot of respect for him for, for doing what he's done. And obviously that fight was in Poland as well. So that must have been a crazy experience, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, but the, the I must say the Poland fans were uh, they were pretty cool. Yeah, and one of the things that threw me off before the fight, I'm walking out, and it was my first time fighting on. It was my first time fighting overseas, or first yeah. time going overseas, and I was expecting to get booed, and you know, because he's the home guy. And yeah. I walk out, and nobody's booing. There's actually people cheering for me. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's like totally. It threw me off. I'm like, what is this? They're way too nice right now. But yeah. <laughs> so obviously the champ is the goal how different is that in your mind now that the champ isn't a friend and teammate of yours and john jones uh, that that definitely changed a little bit um it was almost like an acceptance of okay now i can really go for that and i can hate the guy that's on top right now or i can you know i, I can want to be there instead of him being there and when john was champion it's like i don't want to you know i don't i wouldn't even want to yeah. take that away from him or anything like how would that even work to to get up that far and then you know have to fight him or not fight him like it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a thing but you know it, thankfully that that probably won't happen so you and john are pretty close friends right yeah yeah, yeah. we've been you know training partners and stuff like that over the years and and friends and uh yeah it's cool dude so what do you think's gonna happen with him at the minute I, I don't know i don't know that's up you know between him and the ufc whatever they get worked out um i'm just hoping that it's in his favor yeah. he's done so much for the sport and for the ufc that you know i think it's kind of owed to him a, a big fight and he should be able to make the money that he wants because um, nobody can deny what he's done for the sport i mean it's just he's the greatest that we've we've had and he's proven it and he's backed it up and so we'll, we'll see what happens i talked to one of your teammates about this one adams um how do you kind of see john physically a heavyweight like i don't think he, like training with him you realize because he i don't know how other people see but he's a pretty big guy in person. Like he's, he's not a skinny guy, you know, a scrawny dude at, by any means that even at, uh, when he's fighting at 205. So at heavyweight, I think he's going to probably bring the same kind of presence and same kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, game or, uh, fight, but he'll just be a lot bigger and a lot stronger doing it. So I don't think it's going to change his game all that much, but, um, is definitely just a lot more power. <laughs> yeah. He's got a good group of guys training with him right now. And, you know, he's doing all the right things. So to make that adjustment up to heavyweight. Moving back to obviously your division and champ Jan Blachowicz. Yeah. Jan Blachowicz. I'm editing that out. Um, who do you feel, apart from yourself, has the biggest chance of dethroning him or is the biggest threat, biggest threat to him? Thing. any of these guys could do that um but it's you know i don't and i don't know if uh he's got a fight coming up with with glover yeah i think i don't know if glover's the guy i i, I don't know that's a, that'll be a good fight though but i think any of those this division it's it's pretty tough right now any of those guys could could get that belt um it's just and it seems to be a little bit of a theme across the 
across the weight class is just being able to stay focused long enough to, to get a victory. Um, some of the guys that have gone out that we weren't really expecting, they just lost focus and much like me and just kind of mess things up in the moment. But uh, I think things can change on any given night with any fight. Just stepping away from the cage for a second. Um, in your spare time, you do a lot of work to help youth with Down syndrome. Um, talk to me about how you got started with that and the impact that has on you and the motivation it brings. You know, to be honest, I haven't done a lot lately. Like I'll still give support from afar, um, but I, I haven't uh, been too involved lately and I need to get back into that. But I originally got started with my friend, Kevin Kroger. Um, his son, Cam, has Down syndrome. And that's kind of how we, you know, and he's from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's where I live. And we kind of just started working together a little bit on kind of marketing and, and things like that. And uh, there came, became opportunities to, to help some of these groups and, and go and, and meet some of these kids. And it turned out to be a really good deal and something that I, I love doing. And, and, uh, and the biggest part I have right now is when I go into Albuquerque, there's that adaptive MMA program uh, at Jackson Wink MMA. So I'll, I'll do, I'll go and spend a little extra time and, and hang out with uh, some of the kids that are training there, some of the adaptive kids and, you know, help them with, with uh, some of their training or just go and hang out with them. So moving back to the fight, um, September 18th, are we looking at the apex for that fight, right? I think so, but you know, that could be, that could change on the contract. It's still to be determined. So right. there's no, uh, no, no place set in stone yet. All right, cool. So what did you make of the whole fighting without fans experience? Cause obviously different fighters are going to have different opinions on whether it helps their game or whether they feed off the energy. How do you feel about that? I, I don't think it matters a whole lot. Um, my first fight at the apex against Alonzo Manningfield, it didn't matter at all. Um, it, I was still able to get up and, you know, it just, it didn't really matter. And I could hear everybody, but it, it felt like kind of the same as usual. I don't know if that's because I, he broke my face right away in the first round. So it was like, everything else was tuned out. Um, but then on the Anthony Smith fight, when I got in the cage, it just felt, it just felt different. Like, yeah. I don't know, just, I, I felt a little bit, it just felt flat in the, the whole vibe felt flat. So I don't know. So I've had two different experiences. One was good. One was bad. Um, but I'm definitely excited to get fans back, hopefully fight in front, in front of fans soon. Uh, it's always, you know, not having it. Now that I realized how, how cool it is and yeah. how important it is to have thousands of fans, you know, cheering for you or booing for you, whatever, just kind of, and then at slow spots in the fights, you know, they're always, woo, woo, like, and that, that does do something, you know, it's like, okay, let's fight, let's go. So um, I am excited for to get the fans back. That's interesting. You mentioned that. I want to touch on that a little bit more. Um, so if you hear the crowd wooing, we'll say, um, do, do you think of that in your mind and think, oh, we need to do something here? Absolutely. It's a trigger <laughs> for sure. And I think it's it's got to be for everybody because yeah. it's like it's hard to just sit there against the cage when they're going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> you know, it's it's it makes you move. Uh, and for me anyways. So, yeah. I, and I don't mind it at all. Cause it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's instant feedback. 
which is it's I think is good in a sport like this. You think something like that's in the referee's mind as well? Because obviously, if you if there's like a bit of a stalemate on the ground and the crowd are booing, do you think that would impact the referee's decision to kind of stand him up earlier? I think some refs and some refs were like, I think a lot of refs had to like kind of tune out the crowd because that's got to be an aspect in every fight where, okay, do you choose to listen to the crowd a little more or your best judgment? Um, And I think they usually have to go with best judgment because half the crowd is drunk. So, and they just want to see blood. Um, So I, I know there's times where guys are on the ground and one guy's, working pretty good but it doesn't look like it from a, yeah. from a fan's point of view you know with the jujitsu or you know these guys are trying to advance but it looks like they're just rolling around on the ground so and i think in that situation it's the ref's um best choice to just listen to his you know let him fight so so ideal scenario ian kutalaba september 18th we get a win what's next Get a win, and then maybe one more this year. It's been, you know, it'd, it'd be back to back. So hopefully, get a quick fight, quick win, um, and maybe fight once once more this year, and get another. You know, just cut. At this point, winning matters. Yeah. So um, win this fight, try to get a new contract, get a little more money, um, then get set up for the next one, and then who knows from there. You know, it, a few good fights and we could be in that, you know, top 10, top five range and yeah. then started talking about fighting the champ again, you know, and it could happen that quick in, in a division like this. So, so looking, say, July next year, a year down the line, what's going to be happening for you? Let's make a prediction. July next year? Yeah, a year from now, what's going to be happening for Devin Clark? That's <laughs> I'm knocking somebody out. I'm knocking somebody, I'm knocking somebody out. They're talking about if I'm the next next champ. Yeah. Just finally, two or three pieces of advice that you would give. Doesn't have to be MMA, MMA related. Just that anyone who sees this interview can kind of take from it. Um, three pieces of advice. Always work hard. You know that's pretty like cliche, I guess, or common for people to give advice but um it's something that i've learned a long time ago and that my dad always taught taught me taught me you know um you work hard respect people give people respect and then um the biggest one that's gone through that's helped me in my life especially in athletics and i think this is really important for any athlete young or old um from like four or five years old he taught me my dad taught me always be first. So like always be first in line, be the first to do a sprint, be the, like, be first, be a leader. Um, and the, and, and the rest will follow. Uh, but the opportunities that being first has got me are, has been huge. Um, and I took that into, into fighting as well. And also there's like in the actual fight of, you know, be the first one to go out there and, and make some action happen. And that got me my UFC contract and, and stuff like that. So I think that's the most important one is be first and, and you can take that a few different ways, but because uh, a lot of, some people just aren't, aren't leaders and don't have that drive, but it takes some self drive and uh, a strong mentality to be first every time. Cause you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. If you're first, you actually have to 
you know, you have to show that you're, you have to work hard. You have to go hard. Yeah. Else you're going to embarrass yourself. So, um, yeah, be first, work hard, show respect. Love that. Um, where can people keep up with you? And feel free just to shout out any sponsors you've got now if you want. Uh, yeah, just uh, at Brown Bear UFC on Instagram and uh, Brown Bear C uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. Awesome. I want to thank you for the time today. Best of luck in September. It feels like a long way away, doesn't it? But it's going to come around quick. It is a long way. <laughs> but it's, it's like I said before, it's nice, though. It's nice being able to prepare this long. And um, yeah, so yeah, see you in September. <laughs> yep. Best of luck in September against Kujalaba. You've got this. I'm pulling for you. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Thank right. you. Thanks for the time today. Okay, I'm here with the man who beat Aggie Sadari on Friday night to become the new Cage Warriors lightweight champion, Joe McColgan. How does that sound? Oh, uh, sounds really good. Although it's still, it hasn't sunk in yet. No. Um, everyone keeps asking me, oh, how does it feel? Like, I'm, like you've worked so hard for this. And, um, and this is the same answer. It, it literally hasn't sunk in yet. It just feels like I finished another fight. Um you know, hopefully, hopefully when things settle down and work, and work a wee bit, I can actually have time to reflect and, and enjoy it, and maybe <laughs> maybe it'll in then. But it's 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 no difference for me. Like it's just kind of apart from I have to carry a <laughs> boy run, and I have to force it as well because <laughs> I get a wee bit embarrassed about it. Like when we were walking through the airport on the way home, like my coach was like, "You have to wear this belt," and I was like. No. So I they they actually I put it on their shoulders and they walked through with it. They had no problem doing it. But I was like yeah, right. the bag then <laughs> people asking me and stuff, you know. Be honest though, since Friday night, have you let it out of your sight yet? Yeah, I left it outside last night by accident. <laughs> you left it outside. Because I was <laughs> because I like it's under like a carport type thing and uh, I'd, I was going out somewhere and I'd taken my training gear out and I had my this in the bag so my training gear and this were lying outside yeah so Mike Flay nobody stole it there's <laughs> <So> still <laughs> obviously by the sounds of it it's still getting used to it right yeah 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 so it's been a Pretty few much. days it's been a few days since the fight now how's the body holding up all feeling good yeah, I'm fine. Um, I, I, I didn't really take any damage. I inflicted damage on myself by kicking him. Um, but that's about it. So my like my foot, my foot's like black, uh, my left foot, and my shins are, are filled with fluid. Whenever I fought Kieran Lister, I'm um, sorry, um, when I fought Kieran Lister back in December, I, um, I, I, I threw a body kick that connected with his elbow, and I had this like kind of hematoma thing on my shin. It's like a big lump, and it, it basically is solidified. And whatever way I kicked Daggy, it just kind of must have just bursted or something because like the, it, the the bump isn't there anymore, but it's just filled with fluid all around the shin. Um, you know, there was one point actually in the fight. I uh, remember kicking. I think it was in the second round, and then must have connected with his elbow on my foot, and I thought, "Fuck, that's so sore." And then I was like, "Break it." And I was like, and then I started kicking him even more. And I was like, <laughs> I think I'm just determined that like, 
just go through some pain here or something in this, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty surreal experience. So obviously there's been the comparisons between yourself and the last Irishman to hold that belt. Um, how do you feel about that? Because obviously you're a very different personality to him. Um, and how do you react when you see people say things like that? Well, I actually, um, I know people say that about the whole McGregor thing, um, just because he was the only person from Ireland to hold this belt. Um, but like, I don't, I don't see there's any comparison between me and McGregor. McGregor is just like, I, it's because I, he's, he's probably one of my favorite fighters. So I don't even, like, I'm like, there's no way I'm even comparable to him. Um, yeah. He's unbelievable. He, he, he got the title at a different time from me. Yeah. Um, and it was just different circumstances. Uh, my, my road has been a little bumpier than his road to get that title. Um, and obviously he was a different age and, but it's just that it, like to even be like mentioned in the same breath as him is a massive honor. And um, because whenever he's in the cage, he is one of the, if not the best fighter in the world. So, you know, you can't, you can't complain about that. <laughs> so now it's appropriate how the belt's gone from really the face of SBG to the SBG hunter. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to be able to shift that name. <laughs> I have tried very hard, like getting it removed from Sheer Dog, from Topology. Yeah. Um, but it always creeps back up again. Uh, when did it come uh, from? Did it come from the Queenie fight? No. I I basically um I fought a guy called Levi Kehoe, and he was one of the wrestling coaches down in the SBG. Uh, so I beat him and then straight after that I fought his teammate James Healan I was actually talking to James Healan the other day he looks yeah. like in Thai, he's like a really good Thai fighter now out in Thailand um, and uh, I, I beat him and it was after that because it was just the whole back to back thing when I was just like I'm the SPG hunter and <laughs> Ireland, like the, the MMA scene in Ireland was a bit smaller back then it was kind of like SPG although SPG is the main club now it was just a single club yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't a franchise so it was kind of like you know me versus them and there was a set, a set of other fighters there so it was quite funny <laughs> back then but now it's kind of like diluted out there's there's loads of SPG fighters like yeah and um, you know all the originals from SPG I get yeah. on really well so it's like <laughs> it's quite funny I remember actually talking to one of them before and he was like some of the new guys were getting like really offended by it all especially after the Quilly fight and they were just laughing about it thinking like this is the most ridiculous thing you know, that all these new guys who haven't even been in the club for that long are getting so annoyed because someone's calling themselves the SVG Hunter. But sure. What if you're going to be well, the SVG? I'll that? only bring it back. I'll bring it back out if I was fighting an SVG guy, but <laughs> I don't I don't think that'll happen. Well, if you're going to be the SVG Hunter now, you've got uh, you've got Ireland, you've obviously got Manchester, you've got one up in the Northeast, I think, as well. So, yeah, that's like, you've got a few hundred guys to take on there. Yeah. Exactly. I was actually in SBG Manchester yeah. last year. Did a bit of training when Alex Andam was up. Um, good, good, good bunch of guys there. Like you know, I don't hold any grudges against anyone, or I don't <laughs> have any mal towards anyone. It's all just like, it's all a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I got lots of pick. <laughs> <laughs> See, now obviously you've got the belt. You can probably put in a word with topology, right? Yeah, I might have to. I might actually <laughs> change the photo as well because the photo they've got up was bloody horrendous. There is not many good photos of me, but. <laughs> I'll maybe put up like a set like Dolly, Dolly Clue, who has Dolly, who is the photographer of Cage Warriors, got some unbelievable photos. Yeah, I saw a couple of those, yeah. Yeah, as well as the uh the Raptors guys, like just unbelievable how like 
like you get to fight in this promotion and you get to have like some of the best experiences ever but not only that you get these unreal photographers capturing those moments for free like it's just like here's a bonus for you here like these photos that you'll have for the rest of your life and they're just on like unbelievable so let's talk a bit about your camp and your preparation for the fight um and what did you see from aggie sadari that you thought you could exploit I didn't really watch too much of him. Um, I after the Mason Jones fight, I I kind of just kind of just changed everything a wee bit. Like not not in my preparation. Like I'm always I'm always like prepared, but well, I, it was more that that I just thought too much about things that were outside of my control, and and like I, I wasn't prepared going into that fight mentally or physically, and I thought see after this like i'll never never go through that again i'll only fight when i'm fully prepared when i've had a full camp and in my, in my head whenever i'm feeling confident whenever i'm feeling prepared it doesn't matter who i'm fighting i'll go out there and i'll beat anybody and i, I and i mean that um there's not a man i'm afraid of when i especially and there's not there's not a man that i don't think i can beat whenever i'm fully prepared um and I, i've proven that so far like you know i, I, I explained this um before the Karen Lister fight, when I was doing interviews, uh, I explained this again before the Aggie fight, um, and both times I've gone out and I've kind of proven it. I've yeah. I've given evidence of my evolution in this game, and you know I think I think everybody has to go through that at some stage um, on their their career or their journey through MMA, and I've just gone through it at the point in which I'm reaching the prime of my physical capabilities. So I am, you know, at, at this point, I'm the most dangerous um, I've ever been. And, you know, like, I, I feel like I've sh- I shown that in my last two fights, in particular against Aggie. Because I actually didn't watch Aggie, I, that was probably one of my easiest fights. Yeah. And then um, I uh, just because I put it on him and I did, like, I focus on all of my style and, you know, I don't give him a chance to even get into the fight. And I can do that to anybody. Why not? You know, um, I actually went back over and looked at his previous fights because I hadn't done much research on him just to kind of reassure myself that he was actually legitimately good. <laughs> and he's a beast. Like, I, I watched his, like, went through his Instagram, watched it. He, he is an absolute beast, uh, a champion in his own right. And, you know, that kind of <laughs> reassured me. I was, like, but it was quite, it, I just thought it was quite funny that, you know, I went through him. I, I did so well against him that I kind of thought maybe he wasn't, like, as good as what everyone else was making him out to be. But he certainly was. He certainly is. Yeah, it was just better. <laughs> was there a specific moment in the fight when you kind of realized the pressure was getting to him, and you're like, "Right, I've got this." Yeah, within the first minute when he shot. Yeah, because uh, he, he considers himself a striker, and you can hear my my coaches um, were just like, "He's already shooting," because we kind of thought that you know he's going to shoot at some stage. Like if if we're if we're doing what we're if we if if I'm doing what I can do things are going our way he's going to start shooting and but i didn't expect him to shoot that quickly i think i hit him a, a real like hard overhand right in the first like 30 yeah. seconds and i think he was a wee bit um you know taken back by that and he's just like right i need i need to get under this guy here and, and put him on the mat and that's that's when i'm at my best when i have guys shooting in at me um, and i'm just breaking off the cage and and striking rinse and repeating uh and you know that was it like i i didn't know i had him because anything can happen in this sport i could have got ko'd minutes like in seconds before 
I put the choke on and like and and you like that would just be another MMA fight you know so I never really thought I had it in the bag I was always switched on the whole time another lesson that I picked up from the Medi fight because I was doing the same thing the Medi you know I felt like I was controlling him everywhere and then I actually went out in the third round and thought there's not a thing he can do to me here I have this beaten easily and then boom I'm, I'm nearly out and he nearly finished me so like I mean I'm picking up lessons the whole way through like through all these different fights and uh, again just in reference to the fact that that's kind of shaped me into to be the most dangerous fighter that I am at the moment you mentioned the grappling a little bit there and you mentioned the finish talk me through that finish because I'm I'm not sure I've ever seen anything quite like that in MMA oh really oh well I mean like from the position to get the guillotine from that position yeah so the oh, this so basically whenever he because he shot in a lot and he left his neck open a lot but i didn't want to a lot of people make the mistake of snatching the neck and going for the guillotine but they're not the down and then they're on their back yeah i never do that i'm always my first i'm always about the position first and in this particular instance he shot in so deep that i thought <laughs> i've got this neck so I, I i took the risk and instead of like doing a high elbow guillotine, which drain, like it tires my arms a bit, and my arms were getting a bit tired, I actually landed really far around, and I was just able to push up. So I think it's called like a thrust guillotine, yeah, and like I mean that, that's free of charge. Like I just pfft, yanked that up. I like almost like like I could have suplexed him. I had that much leverage on his neck, and um, it was really really tight. Uh, the only thing that I could have happened is whenever I took, whenever he went to the ground, he kept rolling and gator rolling me, and then I would have lost position there. But I felt like I had good a good base, and I mean it was like you could see him tapping with one hand and then two hands. It was like really really tight, yeah. um, and I I was thinking I could have TKO'd him in the, the second round if I was just a bit more is the, a wee bit more careful with my shots uh, and a bit more accurate which annoyed me. And then I could have darsed him uh, as well when we went to the ground. Like I had a locked in darse, but I would have had to initiate a roll to get the finish on that. And I didn't want to risk being on bottom side. But I'm really happy with how it ended it. Even like, like I was thinking about it, like during the fight, I was like, maybe I could get like a body shot KO. So I started working the body a wee bit, but I'm still like happy. Like I'm actually probably the most happy with with the finish. I thought it was just quite. I, was, I thought it was really good, especially how we finished. And then I walked right over to my corner. We were celebrating, and everything. It was just you know, what? like you, very rarely in MMA do you look back at a fight and you 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 feel happy with it. And I I feel really happy with it. Like everything from the walkout, the performance, the celebrations after yeah. the interview. You know, I just feel like that was that was a good job. So uh, I'm giving myself credit for this one instead of uh, being hard on myself. So you mentioned the celebration there. Talk to me about what's that feeling like immediately after you've got the win and you go over to your coaches? Because you could see the emotion with you guys then. Just unbelievable. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost at that thing, like just happier, not happier for them, but like, I'm just as happy for me as I am for them. And then you got the relief of like all this pressure is now off your shoulders and you're thinking, fuck, I'm going to get the belt here. Like I couldn't believe it. It was just, it was just well, like that. Like I can't even, I don't even have words to fully articulate how good of a feeling that all was. And yeah. um, it was just unbelievable. Like honestly, unbelievable. I wish I could just be in that moment again every day. 
You mentioned obviously being happy for your coaches. We saw Paul Hughes um in the corner with Ian Gary the night after. Yeah. Um uh-huh. is Ian Gary gonna be a part of the team now? What's going on there? Ian, no, I, I, so I think that Paul just stepped in at the last minute because yeah. the fight was in danger of being pulled. Um because right. he didn't have a corner. I don't think um I thought I think Graham would have been uh I, I don't know what it was. I think there's something in the rules that you have to have a, a legitimate corner. Right. So I wouldn't have been able to go ahead. So Paul stepped up um and was in the corner for Ian. But I don't think I don't think Ian's joining our club. I don't I, I don't actually know. I don't know what the crack is with Ian. And um the, from a part from a personal point of view, I I would obviously I love the guy. I Ian so dead on um such a character and, and Chris Fields and all those boys are absolute legends. You know, and they're an unreal team together. Um, you can see how much they brought them on. So, like, I, I would love for them to get, like, you know, to kind of sit down and, and talk it out. But I don't really know the background to it, so I don't know anything about it. So I don't know. Um, so I'm hoping that they get it resolved, but I don't know if it can be resolved or, you know, but so I don't really know. Try and stay out of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, just finally, um, you're now the Cage Warriors champion. Obviously, there's a pretty common pathway for Cage Warriors champions in the past. Um, do you see that as a pathway for you? To the UFC? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's next. Um, you know, sometimes whenever you have guys winning the belt, you know, they've, they've gone, they've had fights and then the, 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 it's been a vacant title. And like, I don't think there's ever been an instance where we've had a fighter uh, beaten a defendant champion. I don't think there's ever, has there ever been a champion who's defended, so the one the belt defended it and then lost. I think everyone who's defended it has kind of gone off to the UFC. So the fact that I was able to take out the, the, the current defending champion is a bit of a, like, I think that shows the level um especially in particular the way i the way i took them out um do you know what in fact I, I i've proven my level so many times in my career even from my second fight i've i like i've been saying like i'm ufc ready um and i probably was all those years ago but i'm, I'm more ready than i am now so if the call came that would be absolutely amazing i don't know if it will i don't i, I just don't know and I'm, do you know what i'm not even going to focus on it because it's once again it's something that's outside of my control yeah. so i'll just i'll just let uh the boss man graham um tell me what's next and then we'll we'll, we'll take it from there you know <laughs> <laughs> all right um so just finally let us know where people can keep up with you and shout out any sponsors you've got if you want to yeah, just uh, like obviously a massive thanks to all my my coaches, um, Pat, Shando, Adam, Donner, and my my team, my teammates are you know without them I like I wouldn't be fighting at this level, uh, and, and the sponsors Apex Fightwear and Slim's Kitchen, Slim's Gary from Slim's, they do my whole meal plans for the past three years, like you know managing the job, um, and managing a full time full time job and uh, full time training, it's like next to impossible but gary and and the meal plans that he gives me through slim's kitchen it just makes things a, a hell of a lot easier like a hell of a lot easier so massive thanks to, to all those guys and um yeah you can follow me on twitter and instagram i post like once every six months so yeah you can keep up to date <laughs> <laughs> awesome i want to thank you for the time today have you still got the belt there hold up the belt one last time there we go. <laughs> yes.
Cage Warriors, lightweight champion, Joe McCorgan. Thanks for the time today, my friend. Unreal. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Okay, so I'm here with the new Cage Warriors middleweight champion, the man who beat Natias Frederick last Thursday night. Matt Bonner, how does that sound? Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it does. Um, very relieved and pleased, obviously, to be a world champion. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course, the fight was on Thursday night. You had a few days for it to sink in. But just think back to that moment when you had him in the submission and you felt the tap. How does that feel? Yeah, I'm going to give you like, I don't know, almost like a boring answer, but it's, it's more of a relief. Um, obviously, I've had kind of like a big resurgence recently in my career. And it's nice just to kind of cap off that that happy ending because there's not many happy endings in this sport. This sport is very brutal. I can kind of chew you up and spit you out sometimes. So it was, it was very much more of a thank God this has turned out, you know, again for that, 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 kind, of, that kind of happy ending. So move on to the fight itself. Early on in the fight, it seemed like his leg kicks were causing you problems. Was that the case? Yeah, that that, that was surprising because he did use those leg kicks in his previous fight with Jamie Richardson as well. But I, I come from a very much kind of traditional Thai boxing background. So my conditioning is is quite good in terms of taking leg kicks and and whatnot. But his his kick was was very almost almost strange. You know, I, I've got a brother who's he's world ranked in, in Thai yeah. boxing obviously I spar with him very often and his kicks have like a very nice snap to him where Fredericks was almost like being hit by a by a sledgehammer it, it, it was you know, very, very much a, a different kick than a traditional you Thai know, boxing kick um, he, he threw an inside low kick I think it was the first strike he, he threw in yeah. the, the first round and he normally you know, he, he almost lifted me off the ground with that and that's you know, an inside low kick that's not traditionally a powerful kick so that that did take me take me by surprise. Do you think, obviously, because you've had the condition to train him with your brother, obviously, um, do you think a lot of other people would have struggled more with those kicks? I think so. Yeah, I think even kind of the days after the fight, there's never there's not really been too much damage. It, there's a little bit of swelling, a little bit of bruising, but there's there's certainly no kind of further damage than that. Uh, I think watching the Jamie Richardson fight, it did take some of the spring out of. Of Richardson's legs, um, a little bit more pop out of his legs, but with me it was it it wasn't that I was surprised with the pain. I was just surprised with how much of a thudding shot those kicks were. So obviously in the first round you controlled the grappling once it got to the ground. Um, were you surprised that he came out with the takedown in the second round? Yeah, that was odd. That that was strange. <laughs> yeah. He came out with like a single leg, didn't he, in the yeah. second? Um, yeah, I was surprised because I, I just wanted, I obviously wanted to have the grappling exchange, especially yeah. after feeling those kicks. I thought, let's yeah. not risk it. I, I, I knew I had the advantage on the ground. So for him to come out and kind of give me that grappling exchange for me was ideal. Um, I think he learned his lesson after the second round. He was very much standing, yeah. standing back. I was almost kind of pulling guard at some points in the fight, just yeah. out of sheer tightness. And he was kind of stepping back and inviting me back up to the feet. So I think that was a blunder in the second round, but he did learn his lesson from that. You mentioned the tiredness there. Was that just a case of not really being used to the fourth and fifth round? I think so. I think you have to kind of bear in mind 
kind of how important that fight is as well, and the anticipation and the nerves leading up to it. Um, I'd kind of said to everybody before the fight, I was very relaxed yeah. about going in there, and it wasn't going to throw me, and the pressure wasn't going to make much of a difference. But actually, when I was in the cage and in the warm-up area, obviously all those emotions come flooding through, and you, you really want to win, but I mean the adrenaline could just suck that kind of you know, that little bit of energy out of you, and I think that was the case when it got into that fourth round. We saw in the second round, moving back to that round, the illegal knee. Talk us through that moment because it didn't look like it hurt you that much at all. It, I was more kind of stunned that I'd even that I'd even done it. Um, you know, obviously, the referees come they come to us before every fight in, uh, individually as well, not even as a group. They say mm. obviously they clarify the rules and whatnot. And Frederick absolutely knew that knee was going to be illegal. That wasn't a oh no, I just oh what what a silly mm. mistake or anything like that. He, there was no apology there. He absolutely knew. What he was doing at the time, so I was more kind of surprised that he'd actually had the audacity to, to throw it. Uh, the referee came up to me, said, "Do you want the doctor in there?" And I actually said, "No, no, yeah. I don't need the doctor." Yeah. And then he called in the doctor anyway. I think it's part of the new rules; they have to yeah. bring a doctor in after something yeah. like that. And then the doctor came in and he said, "Do you want to carry on?" I was like, "No, I wasn't ever going to say no." Um, but I think taking the point is definitely definitely the right decision to make. You you just have to punish him for it. You have to nip that in the bud. Because you know, I think we saw in the I don't know if you saw the kind of kind of Hignett fight. Yeah. He got need, got a legal need, and then you know, then it, you know, he got need again later on, which knocked him out. But Connor's come out and said, you know, after it, he doesn't even remember the fight after the first illegal knee. So you know, these, these things really do need to be punished straight away. Um, you mentioned the doctor check there. I think that was the quickest check I've ever seen from a doctor after something like that. He was in, right? You're fine. Back out. <laughs> That was right. Yeah. yeah. He asked me like four questions and I just said yes to every single one. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just buggered off after that. So, yeah. What, what did he ask you in that moment? What kind of thing do they ask? I think, if I remember rightly, it was, is your vision affected? You know, are you damaged? Can you carry on? Just really like basic questions. And I think he knew and the referee knew, but, you know, I was never going to say, I'm, no, I can't, I can't carry on. He stayed pretty calm, but did it annoy you inside that he threw that knee? Yeah, again, because it was it was quite, it, it was obvious that there was yeah. no question. Yeah. It wasn't like I was playing. Uh, for people who don't know, you have to have kind of three points of contact with the floor. And it wasn't like I was lifting that up the hand or anything like that. You know, you can kind of play a game a little bit with, with that kind of position. Um, it was, for me, he knew what he was doing and he, he, he was going to throw that knee. In. You know, although it didn't cause much damage, it certainly had the potential to. In the third round, Natias landed a lot of strikes on you. How hurt were you and how does his power compare to other guys you've fought and trained with? Because obviously he's a guy that's kind of known for his power and strength a little bit. That was that was kind of the unknown coming in because obviously he's had the big finish against James Richardson and he's you know, he's got a lot of finishes anyway. So you, you never quite understand what the power is going to be like until you experience it. But mm. in terms of in terms of me damage wise, I was I was fine. I think yeah. I've got a little kind of a, I don't know if you can see, I've got a little bit of a black eye. A bit, yeah. yeah, some blue from the top of the head. But in terms of ever being wobbled or disorientated, there was there was absolutely none of that. I think it actually looks a lot worse on, on the video because of how just sheer amount of tiredness there was. Yeah. I was exhausted, uh, you know, at the back end of that third round going into the fourth. So it, it was less the damage that he was causing, the more the tiredness was creeping up on me, yeah. you know, through the rounds. So, yeah, in round four, like you mentioned, the tiredness, we saw you immediately try and take it to the ground. Yeah. 
that was more of a response to the tiredness rather than necessarily feeling this power in the round before. Exactly. And, and I think anyone can see as soon as I took it down to the ground, I was in complete control. So it was a case of let's get this down straight away and let's kind of maybe not stall around out, but let's get on top of him, wear him down a little bit. I actually think looking back at the fight, uh, in terms of especially the finish in the fourth round, I think if the fight had gone any longer, I think you probably would have seen Frederick fade a lot more. I think that was his last kind of big hurrah at trying to get me out of there because he must have known he was down on points, especially yeah. taking in, into mind that the point he got yeah. took off for that illegal knee. So uh, it, you know, people were quite a surprise with the finish of Frederick, how he kind of almost sat there and let me do it. But I think it was more the tiredness had eventually crept up on him as well. You mentioned taking a point there, so just quickly back on that one. Were you surprised the referee took the point considering it was the first foul? And obviously it was intentional, so you probably should, but a lot of times the referee will give them a foul. Like That's right. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised, but I could see from his body language that's what he was going to do. I I kind of said to him straight away, you've got to take a point for that. And he kind of looked at me and I felt, bloody hell, he's going to take it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it doesn't help in previous fight that Fredericks has uh, he's had points deducted then yeah. as well you know, he's slightly, he spiked James Webb on the head he, he, he's quite a controversial character Frederick he, he kind of uh, he's, he, he's kind of had a go at referees before and I don't think he's put himself he, he doesn't have the greatest relationships with the, with the officials there so I think I don't think I'm not saying that's played a part in it but I think it's just made it very easy for them to make the decision of let's take a point because this guy is known for doing you know, illegal manoeuvres. You see that as well with other guys who have a certain reputation, don't you? So. Sure. Um, let's talk about the finishing sequence then. What happened then? Because you were obviously tiring and then it looked like he just kind of froze and then you just were like, all right, I'll That's, take you back yeah. then. Yeah, it, it's a straight, it did kind of come out of nowhere, didn't it? He was kind of sprawled on top of me and then I've kind of moved back and he's kind of fell forward and I've managed to manoeuvre myself around to the back to the back position I couldn't quite get the hooks in um, which is obviously the first bottom calf anyone who, who gets the back mark they want to get the hooks in to control the hips and to you know, secure the bottom half of the body what I have managed to do is get the hand under the chin yeah. and squeeze it it's like a short choke if anyone has watched the Khabib and Conor McGregor fight it was the same choke that Khabib won by so I managed to get that hand under the chin and as soon as I've kind of put any any kind of squeeze on the neck that's when he's fell back and it's kind of put it on even worse because that's when I've been able to get the hooks in and to finish the choke. But again, I think it's probably the tightness creeping on Frederick that's made that whole sequence kind of that slow kind of him not reacting. It's yeah. very much made it easy for me to manoeuvre around and lock in that short choke. Yeah, I, watched, I rewatched the fight again last night and one of the things the commentator, I believe it was Dan Strauss, who said it, um, the reason that he thinks you got it in is because you went for the neck first rather than trying to get the hooks. You agree with that? I do. And you can see, I think I had probably about three or four back takes in the fight and I'm desperate to get the hooks in the whole time. And I think I managed to get them in maybe once or twice, but that was the big kind of struggling point was getting in those hooks. Ideally, you kind of want a body triangle in that position, but you know, you first, you usually go from, from hooks to, to a body triangle. So I think it's maybe him anticipating the hooks coming in and him leaving his chin up, which has kind of been his demise, really. I've managed to get that choke in. And, and the right, Dan Strice is obviously an elite grappler, the very right one to say in terms of you can still t- tap somebody out without having their legs locked in. You know, if, if the squeeze is tight enough, 
um, then yeah, you, you can still get a nice finish from there, which is, you know, fortunately what I did. So after the fight, after having the belt wrapped around you, we saw you talking to Graham Boyne a little bit. What were you saying to each other in that moment? He was just saying congratulations. Mm. He was saying that you're a world champ and, and, and all the rest of it. Um, obviously, I'd like to kind of sit down with Graham properly and go over a few things. I know in the past we've talked about kind of management and stuff, so and, and other things. So I would I would like to kind of sit down with Graham um, or have a conversation over the phone at some point, but He's got he's got a very good relationship with my coach as well, so I'm sure in the next few weeks there'll be some some kind of conversations going on, and you know, we'll uh, hopefully be some some good kind of exciting news coming out. So, what do you think is next for you? Do you have any opponent in mind or any idea when we might see you back in the cage? Um, there's, there's a few that have kind of popped up. There was a Justin Burlington kind of picture that came up on Instagram before, and a lot of people were saying maybe he'll move up to middleweight or they'll fight well at weight. Some people are mentioning Ian Gary as well. Um, that that would be a fight that I'd be really intrigued with. Obviously, he bring he brings a lot of fans and a lot of coverage yeah. for me. You know, if that fight was to be made, in terms of the middleweight division, some people talked about a Frederick rematch, which mm-hmm. again, I would I would I would accept that. That would that would that would kind of um, yeah, I, I would, that would make me get out of bed and train for. I think there's a lot of things that I can do better in that fight. I think I, I think I can finish it in, in in a lot less than four rounds. Um, so those three fights really the ones that stand out for me at this point in time. You mentioned Ian Gary there. Obviously, we saw him win the welterweight title on Saturday night. Um, what do you make of him and the whole personality he brings? I've met him twice very briefly, and he's always been quite respectful. And I met him after the James Webb fight because he was a teammate of James Webb at the time. He's moved on from his team now. But and then I met him briefly after the Frederick fight uh, back at the hometown again. He was. I was on the phone to, to my girlfriend, yeah. I think, but he congratulated me, you know, why I was there. Uh, I think he's good. I, I think he's obviously really, really talented and he, he kind of draws off that confidence, but yeah. I, I wasn't massively impressed with the Jack Grant fight, if I'm, if I'm being honest. The, the kind of back and forth is kind of, oh, I respect you, oh, I respect you as well. <laughs> I, I, I kind of I kind of was cringing the old bloody way yeah. through it, to be honest. Um, I know he said he'd torn his knee before the fight and stuff, I thought he actually looked very nervous against Jack. I'd never seen that kind of uh, body language off, off Ian before, whether that's because his team wasn't with him, yeah. possibly, whether it's a knee issue, possibly, whether it's because Jack Grant is, a, is an extremely talented fighter, possibly. But I, I think I think there is gaps there, and I think I'd be very interested to see what his opinion is, kind of on who he wants to fight next, whether he does think he's got the UFC contract now or whether he does want to you know jump up to middleweight and be a double, double cage Warriors champion. Do you have any thoughts on the situation with him and his team now we've heard both sides? I don't really know enough. I, I, I mean, Chris Fields, again, I've met very briefly. And he, what I will say is that all my coaches and my SNC coach have a lot of respect for Chris Fields yeah. in terms of his coaching ability and in terms of how he behaves behind the scenes as well. I, I, I kind of feel, and again, this is me not knowing, having a clue what went you know, on backstage, but there must have been something really quite significant for Chris Fields to want to step away from Ian Gary. <laughs> Everyone knows that Ian was fighting for a world title. Yeah. Everyone knows that his trajectory is to the UFC. Yeah. So for a coach to kind of take a step back and say, actually, I don't want anything to do with you anymore, there must have been some significant you know, problem there for him to suggest uh, separating as, as, you know, separate themselves from each other. Okay. 
So looking at your Instagram these last few days, it definitely seems like you're still riding the wave of this win. So I've, so I've got to ask, when's the bus tour of Warrington going to be? <laughs> I'm not sure that that's to be uh, that's to be arranged properly. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice. Have a bit of fun and stuff. I'm yeah. kind of I'm generally when when I meet people quite quiet and laid back and stuff. But I, you know, I, I do think if you have a bit of a character and you can put that across on social media, I think that does kind of help and bring that personality through and. You know, if it makes people laugh or even makes people cringe, it's at least, you know, at least maybe they, 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 they click the like button or whatever and maybe you know, it brings me a little bit more attention. Yeah, it, people think of you now because they think of the Instagram stuff. Sure. Um, one thing you said yesterday, two years ago, you had a losing record. Was it hard for you to kind of keep the motivation at that time or could you visualise that it would still happen and you could still end up in a position you're in now? It was hard. And I think even looking back on it now, it kind of, I, I don't know if I could kind of go through that adversity again. Mm-hmm. I, I do look back on that time and think, do you know what? I had a lot of balls just to carry on going there because it, it, it was all, it was all, it was all finished. You know, it was all, all gone wrong. Even the start of my pro career was, was horrendous. And then it was very much up and down. And I do look back and think, no, I, I, I'm really not sure how I had the kind of the bottle to, to crack on and think it was all going to be okay. I think it might have been more stupidity than anything else. Um, you're obviously very pleased. And I do think it makes quite a nice story. And and again, if it kind of, again, it, it, this sport doesn't really have many happy endings and stuff. If, if that, if, if anybody can look at me and say, well, Matt Bonner, you know, was a world champion after all the, the stuff he went through, then that kind of makes me feel, feel, feel good knowing that somebody can draw inspiration from that. One thing I noticed when I was looking through your record, your first amateur fight was against Lerone Murphy. Sure, yeah. Yeah. What was that like, given, like, he's now fighting at featherweight? Yeah, he was He was a big boy. He was a big boy then. I think that was at welterweight when we both fought, and he was he was big. I remember the weigh-in, and this is probably kind of like six years ago now. I remember seeing him at the weigh-in and thinking, God, he's small. He's, you know, he's, I'm miles bigger. And I remember the next day seeing the cage and thinking it was just it just looked like his his big brother had turned up instead. You know, he he was big. He he kind of must have had a hell of a water cup, but he was massive. Uh, and but even you know people can actually watch that fight on YouTube. It's still on there, and it was it was a competitive fight. It's a really good fight. I dropped him in that fight, but he was he was very super aggressive. Uh, it, it was another one where I think people thought you know I was going to get absolutely smashed up to pieces, but it was quite competitive and. I always kind of the few times I have met Lee Rowe, you know, uh, in the the past after that fight, he's always been very pleasant. So, you know, good for him for for doing as well as he's done. Yeah, that was just one thing I thought of that I wanted to ask about. Um, you obviously you talked about having the losing record. You're now on a four fight win streak. You've won six of your last seven fights. You're 30 years old, so perhaps not even in your prime yet still, and you're a Cage Warriors champion. We know what happens to Cage Warriors champions sometimes. Do you see that step in your future at all? I do. I, I do see that kind of transition to the UFC. I, I think before I won the world title, I was thinking, you know what, I'd be really happy if I won the world title and then if it all went pear-shaped, it is what it is. And I, you know, I'd still be very happy with my career, but I think winning the belt, I've realised you want, you just want more success. It's like a snowball effect. It's not, oh, I've won the world title, now I can sit back and relax. It's, I've won a world title. I want I want more. I want to go to the UFC. I, I want to build a bit of a profile there and do as well as I can. 
So that, that's definitely something that can happen. And obviously, Graham's got a fantastic relationship with the UFC. It's just very much, do they need a middleweight? Yeah. UFC's coming um, to London in September. I'm not even sure if there's any middleweights on there, but maybe if, I don't know, say Darren Stewart was fighting that middleweight and he pulled out, you know, would they, would they drag me in to replace him? Possibly. Um, I would tend to think that because I'm, you know, the middleweight UK champ or you know the world champion of cage wars, I would have the first kind of, the first go at that. Or the, I'd be the first choice, so it's very much a possibility. And and if it isn't at the moment, I know I can win the next few fights and and, and kind of force force my way into there. We mentioned the run you've been on, coming from, I don't I don't like to keep dwelling on it, but having a losing record to then having these this four fight streak. What do you think? like spurred this on what what have you done differently to kind of not like improve your game but kind of force this one to happen sure Uh, there's there's two things that that really stand out for me and one is obviously this was after the madass flemingist fight was i was almost kind of coaching myself at that time i was managing myself i was training myself which sounds very naive looking back on it but uh, after the, the loss to Madas Flemness, I moved over to Next Gen. That was when I, I made the transition over to Next Generation Liverpool. And obviously, they've got you know three UFC fighters. They had three world champions. They've got four world champions now. Um, so that was that was a massive step to actually go to world class gym with world class coaches, have a proper training schedule, have a proper S and C program and stuff. And then the second big kind of momentum shift was actually the loss to Jamie Richardson. Um, I remember coming out the Jamie Richardson fight and messaging my, my girlfriend and saying, I don't know why I do this anymore. I really don't enjoy it. You know, yada, yada, yada. And then I kind of think, what, what's the reason why don't I enjoy it? You know, what can I put my finger on? And, and the reason why I didn't enjoy it was because I was putting absolutely so much pressure on myself. And I, I was always ruining the experience through piling all this pressure on. What happens if I lose? What happens if I get knocked out? And, after the Jamie Richardson fight, I kind of just completely you know, switched the mentality around and thought, just go in there and just do your best and enjoy the process. Um, you, you mentioned I'm 30 years old now. So, you know, if I'm lucky, I've got another 10 years in this sport. And after after that 10 years, I won't be able to do this anymore. Um, so I certainly want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy these 10 years and not look back and say, actually, they were the best times in my life. Why didn't I take a step back and, and just be a little bit more grateful? Obviously, the step to UFC could be a little way away. In the near t- in the near future, Cage Warriors are going to be going out to California. What if they want a title fight? How do you feel about that? That'd be great. That'd be a great experience. I think at the moment there's a massive problem with visas still because yeah. of the COVID and, and whatnot, and and so I think the California card keeping very much exclusive to the to, to locals around the area. Uh, but that'd be great. You know, I have travelled beforehand um, to kind of Denmark and stuff to fight, and you know, lesser Scotland and Wales and whatnot, obviously. But, you know, to, to travel to California, it's just another thing that I can tell, you know, tell me kids about when I'm older and just say, listen, I, you know, I travelled to California and I fought in America and hopefully I won in America and, and all the rest of it. But yeah, that, that's great. And it, it just shows how prolific Cage Warriors are now. Um, I think that show is pretty much completely sold out. Yeah. in terms of fans and all the rest of it. So, you know, good for them for expanding. And yeah, if that's a possibility in the future, I'd love to do it. Um, just quickly here, two or three pieces of advice you'd give to anyone who sees this. Could be MMA-related, could just be general. What would you say? Uh, first, I'd say enjoy everything. 
100% enjoy, enjoy what you're doing, even enjoy the weight cuts and the horrible little bits because, again, you can't do this sport forever. Number two would be in, fight as many times as you can as, a, as an amateur athlete. If you can fight every weekend and, and get all that experience and get all that feedback, then absolutely that's what you should be looking to do. And then number three would be if you are going to lose, say you have an unfortunate fight and you do lose, Make sure you learn from that mistake. Don't go in. You know, for instance, if you keep getting armbarred, you know, really you want to go back to the gym and, and learn how to defend armbars. It's not good enough to just keep keep fighting and fighting. You have to kind of make up on those mistakes. And that is really the only way that you're going to improve as a, as a UFC or as a, an MMA fighter in general. 12 months time, June 2022. What's happening for Matt Bonner? I would like to think I'd kind of be in the UFC by then. I think we've got cage rows in September. I think if I had a really good win in September, I think that would put me on the trajectory to be in the UFC. So I would like to think I was signed to the UFC by that point. If not, then again, I'd hope that I've kind of had that third fight and secured the cage rows belt. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, you have to win. You have to defend your belt three times to be able to keep it. Uh, and it's yours then. So that, that would be kind of similar to like the Longsdale boxing belt. That, that would be cool to kind of have that belt on the wall for the rest of my life. That'd be, that'd be ideal. One thing I just noticed just now, um, your run kind of correlates with the pandemic and not having any fans. Do you think there's anything in that or is that just a coincidence? I think it is a coincidence. I, I thought kind of four times about fans now. So it will be a little bit of a strange dynamic when they start letting everybody back in, but yeah, it was never, the crowds never really kind of upset my my way of fighting or anything. I, I do think that's a coincidence. Uh, that's just correlated well with, yeah. with everything that happened with the pandemic, yeah. Did you enjoy that experience of fighting with no fans, though? Yeah, I loved it. I, I loved it. It wasn't, I mean, I never. I was never a Paddy Pimlet who had like 3,000 fans there who would really spur him on. Yeah. No, I'd have like my mum and my girlfriend there cheering me on. <laughs> and that would be that. So it was never... It was never something that played a massive part in my in my fighting. I'd like to think now I'm champion. I could sell some tickets and you know I'd have a, a bit of a better support. But yeah, it never really it never really made like a massive difference. And I do think that'd be quite nice again looking back and saying, actually, I, I was fighting COVID times and there was no fans and this this and this. It kind of makes for like an interesting story. I think. <laughs> right, I want to congratulate you again on the win. Um, where can people keep up with what you're doing? And do you have any sponsors you want to promote right now? People can find me on Twitter and Facebook on Matt Bonner. I'm on Instagram as Matt the Beast Bonner. Thank you to all my sponsors. Uh, that's Pitbull Fightwear, Essence of Nature, Feel Supreme, Four Seasons Kitchen, Tunnel Vision, and there's one more as well. Uh, there's Performance Box as well. I think I think that's all of them. I normally get a bit of telling off by one of them if I forget. But yeah, thanks to all those for the support. And then obviously Next Generation for, for, for training me and coaching me and being part of the journey. Awesome. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, best of luck. Pleasure. Thanks very much.